Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Dave. Hey. And Tori. Hello, Internet. Tragically, Craig died in a Timmy fell in a well situation and won't be here ever again until next week, probably. And Tori won't be here. Oh, yeah. Tori won't be here next week. Right. I, yeah, I might not be here either. We might not July. do one next We're definitely not doing one the week after. This only matters can, to live listeners. We can record later. I mean, without you. We, Craig can record it. Right? When we do that, uh, you actually had to start the... Never mind. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I have all it. I have all the recording settings on my computer. Anywho, eh, we'll figure it out. Uh, we start every week with good thing, and Dave. That's me. We start every week with good thing and Dave. Yeah, thanks. All right, good thing. What's your Dave this week? <laughs> um, my good thing this week is a game that just came out on Switch called Game Builder Garage. It uh, reminds me of. So for, if you don't know what it is, it's uh, it's like a little programming environment where you connect these adorable little boxes and icons in circuits. And it's it's basically its own little programming language and you use it to design games. You can make action games or puzzle games, like whatever. It's really, really open-ended. Uh, it's kind of like, it's like Mario Maker, but a lot more open-ended than the kind of stuff that you can do with it. And it's also it, it's also kind of like reminds me of Mario Paint, where it's kind of I, like I think the way that Mario Paint inspired creativity in artists, like young artists back in the '90s. I think this is going to inspire creativity in young game developers in the whatever decade this is, um, <laughs> the Roaring Twenty. And for me personally, it, it it reminds me a lot of when I used to make StarCraft maps using the StarCraft map editor and other tools. It's kind of like, it's a programming language, but it's not a text-based programming language. So like, you still think of it in a straightforward, logical way, like any kind of program, but the tools you get to use are a lot more interesting than just like, oh, you're using Python or JavaScript. Like, well, they basically feel the same, but with just different words and punctuation. But this is like gives you the experience of programming with a whole new uh, like format and language to to do it. And yeah, the tutorials are kind of slow for if you're an experienced programmer, just kind of learning, trying to learn the tools of it. Maybe playing around with it or looking at other people's code would be a little better. Uh, the tutorials are pretty cute, and they're more toward geared toward beginner programmers or people that don't know anything about programming. So. I've done a few of them. I'm kind of slowly going through them, but focused more on working on my own projects. But yeah, it's super cool. I'm really excited about it. I, I played the demo. You, oh, there's a free demo for it too, where you can do the first tutorial and you make a little tag game. But uh, you have to actually buy the game. It's thirty bucks, which is half the price of the golf game that just came out or whatever. Every, everyone's playing this golf game, um, but which is sixty dollars for Mario Golf, but. Uh, yeah, this is only 30, and there is no limit to the amount of fun that you can have with it, theoretically. Cool. Um, I know I saw you programming one specific game a couple days ago. Uh, 
what what all have you made so far? Right now, I made a little dancing mini game where it's just kind of like a Simon says, you got to push the button in time. Uh, and it just keeps track of how many you succeeded and how many you missed. That's the first one I made. Currently, I'm making a clone of an old Intellivision game called Tron Deadly Discs, where you're like, I don't know, you're Flint or whatever, I don't know. And you're going around and you got to throw your little data disc at uh, other people and beat them up before... Like they throw their disc at you and kill you and they come in like through the walls and you can open portals and stuff. And then big interceptor claw comes down and shoots all the portals closed. And I'm going to be a little ambitious and try to make that like a two player simultaneous game as well. So yeah, I look forward to that in like three years <laughs> or whatever. I, I just now like it, it took me about three or four hours of streaming last night and then sleeping on it and thinking about it today to actually realize that I don't want the disc attached to the player. It should be attached to like an invisible op. No, you know what? I'm not going to go through all these. But yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. And it's going to be a lot of fun when I'm done with it. I just realized that I've been missing half of like what you bring to the table by not having you on video for, for these recordings. <laughs> Why? Um, uh, okay. Well, I don't do anything. How do you... You can't video a podcast. That's a podcast. Since you're on stream, I got to see you do, like, the hand motions for the, for, like, the interceptor thing coming in. (laughs) Flynn is his name, not Flint. Did I call him Flint? You did call him Flint. I was was thinking of uh, Flint Heart Glumgold. I was, uh, I was toying with doing a bit where I was very, very offended by you not knowing the name of the main character of Tron. (laughs) Who is, of course, Tron. Who's, <laughs> of course, the actor that's in literally every Cosmere movie. <laughs> uh, so my good thing this week is the haircut I got a couple days ago. Um, it's my first haircut, like, period, since um, March 2020. So my hair got quite long, and it's warm, and I'm, I'm much happier with it short. Uh, but this was the best haircut experience I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, I got sat down mm-hmm. in the chair, I told the guy what I wanted, and then he did it. It took like 10 minutes. There wasn't like a stopping halfway to make sure that you actually wanted this. Yes, I actually wanted this short. I told you what I wanted, and I wanted that. He didn't do that. He just did the thing I said, and it was great. <laughs> and he didn't try to small talk, and yeah, it was wonderful. I just got to sit there for 10 minutes and come out with shorter hair best haircut experience I've ever had in my entire life. That sounds fabulous. Uh, so, Tori, what's what's your good thing? Uh, it's a little book called Bangs by Sarah Anderson. That is the lady who does Sarah's Scribbles, the, the fun comics. But um, So, Fangs is also a webcomic. I think you can find it online i don't i don't know where but it's based on a web comic they just compiled it into a book uh, i found the book at the library and it is about a vampire and a werewolf and they fall in love and they're dating and their love is so wholesome and they are adorable it's it's basically just a slice of life romance web comic but with a vampire and a werewolf that's that's it really it's adorable it's so adorable Okay. I think I've seen bits of this on, like, reposted on, like, Imgur before. Uh, yes. I, I have noticed it there. No, I'm... Which is why I assume it's compiled somewhere on a website, but I don't know where. I, I bet there's there's something out there if I 
if I could type without making a ton of ridiculous noise into the recording, then I would be able to do that. But but alas. Anyway, yeah, it looks it looks cute as most of the Sarah's scribbles stuff does. Uh, so Dave. Yeah. I'm intently watching you like do stuff to your stream. Listening. It's, it's fascinating. <laughs> but nice. uh, for the for the audio listeners, I think they want to hear about whatever chapter we're doing this week. Chapter eight, nine, and ten of what's that say on my screen? Shadows of Self. Is that a book? Shadows of Self in the Forests of Pits of Eltania. Alamance. Chapter eight of the Dusk. Y- Tolton. Elantris. <laughs> Chapter eight. Young Waxilium. Stereogram. It's a schooner. Only expectation has value as currency. Waxy fails his banking lesson. It's not a schooner, it's a sailboat. A schooner is a sailboat, dummy. <laughs> I haven't watched that movie in forever. I will probably never watch it again in my life, but whatever. I mean, I'm sure it'll be like on some channel someday. And I'll just be like, oh, yeah, Mallrats, yeah, that was like that was fun. 30 years from now when cable is obsoleter than it already is. If we're still alive in 30 years, who knows? All right, so... Bippity-boop. All right, so... All right, so start with a little flashback of young Waxillium, and Uncle Suit is teaching him how to bank her, and Wax doesn't, like... Wax is, what, like 12 at this point, I think? And he doesn't, uh, he doesn't agree with the ethics. And he gives him this counterfeit coin, or it's not a counterfeit, it's a misprint, I think. Uh, so he's like, oh, you bet you can't spot the imperfection in, in this coin. And so he holds it up side by side with a regular coin, and he does like a little magic eye trick thing, like the little magic eye images, which are called stereograms. Uh, and then there's a Mallrats reference. And then he's like, oh, the towers are slightly farther apart than they're supposed to be. And the uncle's like, who told you? You you couldn't have figured that out, you little whippersnap. Well, this fake, this mistake coin is worth th- billion, thousands. And watch me, watch me ruin this poor man's life because he wants to take out a loan for a house. And then Wax is like, nah-uh. And so he gives him the uh, misprint coin. But then, you know, Uncle Uncle uh, Suit, you know, talks the, the dude out of it because he wants the dude to be in his debt and his children to be in his debt and all that. Uh, but, you know, Waxy wants to be a hero, but Uncle Suit wants to be a banker and wants Wax to be a banker. And we find out that he's actually telling this story to Steris as they're in a carriage ride on their way to the tower party. All right. And then continuing with chapter eight, uh, Ed Warren wove lies in the air like pretty puffs of colored smoke. Sounds like somebody else that I know who wove stuff in the air with literal colored smoke. <clears throat> Bleeder got the coin. Wax is insufferably hubric. Hubric a word? Hubris like if I were, is a word. Like he has he has hubris. So what would be the adjective to describe somebody that has hubris? Hubric? I don't know. Let's say it's hubris. Huh? You hubric? just invented a word. Yeah. Go with All right. it. And I think and I know who you're referring to with the colored smoke and the pretty puffs. It's the yeah. caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland. I never saw that movie. I read the book about 
three times, but there's actually a VOD of me reading it on stream. Uh, Starius is actually kind of cute in this chapter and the next chapter as well. Grapple beam. Bleeder will be here. So uh, they're in the carriage waiting in line to get into this party. And Starris had calculated that they would be running late and that Wax would have to heroically steel push them up to the top of the tower on the, to the top, 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 where the party is being held. And he does. Her timing was a little bit off. I think they're like a few minutes earlier than she expected, but she's losing her touch. But she's like actually kind of adorable in this chapter as they're uh, going up to the ta- up the tower. And then she's like, <laughs> like she's into it, but she's trying to like pretend that she's proper or like. And then throughout chapter eight and chapter nine, she kind of shows that she understands social norms and tries to adhere to them, but like isn't really into it like she's. She's really independent and just thinks critically and, you know, understands things and works and can work through things logically and be like, yes, this is what's expected of me socially. So this is how I will act like to like, I don't know, like she's not she's not awkward. She's just like not she under, she like she understands all the inner workings of society and how to navigate them, even though she doesn't really like it or agree with it ethically so okay she's really cool what's going on here is she doesn't inherently understand like social convention she had to study it in a way that most people don't yes so she does understand it but not like inherently but because right. she it's had not to, like, natural put... to her but she can use her intelligence to figure out how to fit in socially like honestly this is a lot like how i personally am in real life like i am a little socially awkward and i really like i didn't know how to fit in when i was young but as i got older and more experienced and smarter i just like realized like i can figure out mathematically how to fit in like (laughs) and you know it works for me (laughs) So I really, uh, I really do relate to Darius in this chapter. Uh, so I have a question for you and for you, Tori. Uh, okay. Who's your favorite character in uh, Mistborn Era 2 so far? I mean, other than Wax, because he's the hero, obviously. Um, I really do like Steris. Dave? I like Steris a lot, but I think I'm going to stick. He does have great taste in hats. <laughs> a reason maybe another character that I think I'm going to like... Uh, but yeah, mine, mine is Steris. She's great. Um, I was going to get more into this in Chapter 9, but uh, since we're on the subject of Steris and her social interaction, she reminds me of Data if Data were a more believable character. Like, Data's Data from Star Trek The Next Generation. He's just like, I'm a I'm robot. Don't understand emotion. I'm like, well, no, but you can run an algorithm and analyze things and at least understand how to act human and convince other people that you know how to be emotive. So like, and I think they just kind of, I, I think this suffers from the time frame where TNG was developed. Like, you know, it not it's not a sitcom, but an episodic series where like, you're not allowed to make drastic changes between from episode to episode and stuff like you can put in drastic implications and stuff but like data has to be the character data throughout the duration of tng because that's how tv was back in the 90s but like 
I think it would have been awesome if he had just like this really they really if they really build on his character arc like he can analytically understand social conventions and humor and everything but he doesn't like fully empathize or get it but he can he can put it on be like a program and convince other people that he's acting like a human so like you could have him outwardly with most people uh thinking that he's made progress and has understood how to be more human, but then kind of like to, to his closest friends, like with Jordy or with uh, Picard, just be like, you know, I really, I really don't understand it. I, I don't, I don't feel feelings. I just, I know how to react. Like, and they kind of touched up on that in that one episode where he goes to this planet and he has this girlfriend and she kisses him and she's like, Oh, you appeared to need it. And he does the same thing back to her later because, like, he kind of learned analytically, like, how he is to respond. And that's as close as they ever got to having, like, a true character arc of him, you know, like, intellectually understanding social convention, but not really getting it on an emotional level. And so, I think Steris and her short lifespan on Scadrial has done a better job of demonstrating this than Data has. In seven years on the Enterprise. So what you're saying is the emotion chip was dumb and shouldn't have been in there in the first place. <laughs> Data should have just... Well, like, that's the other thing. So like, the over time, emotion worked chip. this out, yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I, honestly, like, the setting of TNG, Data has... Data's, like, a second officer. He's been in Starfleet Command for long enough to already have most of the basics down. Like, it's actually kind of weird how socially awkward Data is and be as high-ranking as he is, and been in Starfleet for as long as he has. Um, but yeah, and then the emotion chip was just kind of like, oh, we need to give character development now because it's a movie. And so they just kind of like jump him to the end of a character arc. With, and then, you know, obviously uh, you get to Star Trek First Contact, the movie, and not the episode, the movie. And, you know, they're like, Data, turn off that emotion chip. It's not canon anymore. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's, so yeah, there are some definite parallels between Steris and Data, uh, except that I think that Steris is more believable in how she can analyze social interaction and become outwardly adept at it, even if she doesn't inwardly understand it. I think she's completely believable because that is exactly how I do things. Same, me too. Yeah. I'm just, I'm saying she is more believable than Data. Yeah. So, like, think of how, like, Steris must be very intelligent to be able to do all this, which is, might also be why she's, like, socially outcast. But she has to be very intelligent. But now, like, take the concepts that she's doing to try to fit in with society and give it a supercomputer brain. Like, Data should have had this stuff figured out by the end of the series. At least, at least that he could fool people on the outside, you know, and he might, again, be, like, confide with Jordy or Picard. And how, like, he really just doesn't get it, but he understands what's expected of him. Data and Worf should have had a lot of time together, like, a lot of scenes together. That would have been a great combo. Literally, like, their only their only combo move was, like, showing how strong Data was by him being stronger than Worf. Everybody's <laughs> stronger than Worf. Worf's job on the ship was to get beaten <laughs> up to make the threat of the week a threat. Oh, man. Yeah, like a... All of my memories of Worf are of him getting thrown around. But yeah, yeah. No, Data and Worf should have had like a bunch of scenes together. 
because they both sort of don't inherently understand, you know, the the social norms of of where they are. That's a that's a good point. Anyway, you had you had things that weren't TNG to talk about in these chapters, right? Grapple beam? I don't know. So well, anyway, it's like a he's also beam. It's basically the same thing. Dang it. <laughs> so, I don't know. I I don't know if I fully understood this tool that uh that Wax was using. Let not oh gosh, what's her name? Wayne's girlfriend. Renette. Renette. Yeah, so Renette gave him this like grappling hook and wanted him to test it out, but I'm like there's no way Renette invented the grappling like a hook attached to a rope. Like there's something about this mechanism that I'm not understanding that it's I don't know. I didn't I didn't quite understand like the the mechanics and physics of what Wax was testing out here. Do you have was it literally just a grappling hook attached to a rope? I think Whoa. it might have been. And she just wanted to sort of test the efficacy of, uh, you know, a steel pusher using it versus somebody throwing it. Which, hey, I can I can shortcut that experiment. It's better. It's better so... if you use magic. <laughs> but what is the steel pushing actually adding other than letting him throw it farther? That's the that, thing. Like, I, there's this whole, like... There's this whole detailed explanation on how this steel pushing interacts with the grappling hook. And, like, it's neat to have the control, but it's too slow. But, like, I literally, like, I didn't understand how steel pushing, I meant to think about it, but I forgot. Like, how does steel pushing affect the use of a grappling hook other than the initial part where you throw it and hook it onto something? Uh, you can detach it from a distance. Okay. And maybe, like, hook it onto something farther in as you're going? Or just, you know, not have a rope dangling visible to anybody who looks. I don't know. I'm sure Craig has more to say about this. Maybe we'll come back to it next week if we remember, but we won't. I mean, next week might be three weeks from now, so. <laughs> All right. Chapter nine, anybody? Sure. No, I think I'm think I'm good. All right. Spoiler time? Yeah. No, we better we'll do, do chapter nine. We'll do spoiler time between chapters in this episode. All right. <laughs> chapter nine. Fancy twit costume. Marassi should burn Bendeloy so they don't have to wait in line. I'm actually surprised that that didn't happen. Uh, ooh, Wayne's gonna be in trouble with the dorm lady. Wayne taught Marassi how to cuss, daggummit. Math is the most dangerous weapon. Uh, so yep, Marassi and Wayne need to get into the party. They're not accepting nameless invitations. Uh, so, you know, his his whole bribe thing before to get into the dorm uh, is probably going to backfire on him. And then, you know, he puts up a time bubble to take a peek at the guest list and uh, does so. And he's going to dress up like some professor. up. All right. Next scene. Steris is OP at social interaction. Steris knows more about social interaction than she does about allomancy. Steris is like a more self-aware version of Data who understands humor and uses it tactically. Talked about this already. Uh, Wayne is a security risk. Brandon spelled Milan wrong. All right. Pretty much already covered uh, Steris' character and how she works uh, socially. Um, but another note, she uh, Wax has this allomantic bubble up so that he's gently pushing on metals that get close to him. And Steris is like, I can't have you going around trying to push earrings out of every poor lady's ear. And I'm like, Steris, you can't be put. You can't push earrings out of someone's ear. What? Who do you think you, he is? The Lord Ruler? Go back to Alamancy School, Steris. All right. 
Yeah, because allomancy shouldn't work on something that's piercing the body. In, you know, in acceptive cases, it does, but I don't think that wax has that ability. Maybe a few draws on the mist. Allomancy can't push on metal that's piercing the body unless it's etched in steel. All I'm going to say is that Steris don't know Alamancer Jack. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to pity chuckle for that one. <laughs> um, And then Milan shows up. And it's Milan. And it's obviously Milan. And I love her. She's my new favorite character. Sorry, Wayne. <laughs> I don't know. She's not, she's not cool yet, but she's going to be super duper cool. And I've kind of had my eye out for Milan and wondering when she was going to show up. And here she is. And you can't tell me that Milan is not Milan. I mean, come on. She didn't even change her name. That's a freaking Contra right there. Alright, so now that you brought up Milan, she is great. Steris is still my favorite character in Era 2. It's fine. I like Steris a lot, too. I think I, I think it would go like Wayne, Steris, and wait, wait in the sea. I think I'm gonna, I'm expecting to like Milan uh, a good amount, but I don't know if she'll be better than Steris or Wayne. But what leads you to believe that this is actually the Contra of the same name? This is a literal... <laughs> She has the same name. Um, Talk me through this, Dave. She's also really tall. I don't know. How many people name their dogs Tensoon in this world? Sunni pup. <laughs> like, is is that like, you know, I've never actually met a dog named Rover, but that's sort of like the stereotypical dog it's name. Like right? Rover. It's like Rover on schedule. Uh, I think probably Milan isn't as famous historically as Tensoon. I mean, she like freedom from prison and all. But I, there's no doubt in my mind that this is Condra Milan. She's big in the uh, Condra fan cosplay groups. Yeah, sure. What? From the anime. From the Mistborn anime. I I mean, I will say this comes up in Chapter 10, but she does also seem interested in Wax's conversation with Bleeder. So, you know, got my eyes on her. I forget, other than that she's, like, tall and kind of, dresses in an alluring way and tries to draw attention to herself or something. I don't remember exactly. Like She wasn't actually that interesting in this character. I just already liked Milan and was looking out for her. Alright. Uh, next part. Wayne uses math as a maximizer for the appetizer. Wayne is a master orduver, but Marasi is the orduvist. Hanlanazi sounds familiar? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, did, did was this like a re- this name a reference to Era One or or Book One at all, or is it just did we only learn about this science bro from the guest list? Uh, yes. I don't think this had anything to do with Era One. I might be thinking of her Dacia. Ah, oh, that's probably what it was. I was probably thinking of her Dacia. They got an H and a Z in there. All right, and then last scene has Wax considered that the Chandra is close to him. Someone like Drim or Milan or Steris or Lady Olri Nate or the governor himself? The murderer is in Wax's head. Are we all actors on Harmony's stage? Uh, Did okay. you do a so, Pink Floyd thing there? Piper at the gates of Caledon. What? Are we all actors on Harmony's stage? That's a Shakespeare thing. The murderer is in Wax's head. Oh, like from uh, Brain Damage? Yeah. At the end of Dark Side. Yeah. Nah, I wasn't even thinking of that. I caught your Shakespeare reference, I approve. Well, yeah. well this is actually a reference to Bleeder. <laughs> but maybe Bleeder is referencing Shakespeare. 
Who is, you know, part of the Cosmere we've established. Yep. Why is Shakespeare part of the Cosmere? Just because Wit is the fool from Shakespeare? Yes, that's I, what we said. I believe that was that was what you claimed, yeah. Fair enough. I stand by it. Okay, so who is the Chondra that might be close to Wax? I don't know, the waiter. <laughs> um, I don't know, though. I'm not convinced. I think there's a small chance it might be Steris, but maybe probably not. Um, it's... Could be would be interesting if she actually successfully killed the governor already, and she's taken over the governor's body. But like Steris and Governor Innate keep having a conversation as Wax is talking to Bleeder through the earring. Though that doesn't necessarily rule them out. Bleeder might just be good at multitasking. I don't know. Um, so I'm I'm keeping a watch on everyone. This is like this is Well of Ascension all over again, you guys. <laughs> Who knows? It could even be Docs again. I don't know. <laughs> but there is definitely at least one Chandra at this party, and that is Milan. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think I, I can think of interesting guesses more than likely guesses. Um, and I think as far as interesting guesses, I think Steris and the governor would be the most exciting, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but I don't really have any evidence to support either of those. So if a Chandra is impersonating Steris, would that be like a really good actor pretending to be a bad actor doing a good job of acting? Well, they would have to understand what you just said first. Well, if Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, is Steris a Chandra? 20. A peck is 20. Or wait, is peck a measurement of weight? That's number weighing. Number weighing. Have you not seen the number wing sketch? We'll we'll discuss that later. Is this from Kung Pao? What's going on right now? No, it's a Mitchell and Webb thing. Anyway, continue. Chapter 10. Chapter 10. Uh, Tesla's daughter be straight bugging, yo. Wayne stops having fun. Bleeder cannot hear Wax's thoughts. Bleeder is a surgeon, just like Kaladin. Wax is a surgeon, just like Bleeder. Bleeder hasn't murdered Wax's father yet, just like Galadon, Sewell. Vindication time. Looks like Wax is gonna have to jump. That's it. He shoots at the waiter. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, Tesla's daughter shows up and gets mad at Wayne because Wayne is pretending to be Edison. Uh, <laughs> Bleeder. So Wax uh, discerns that Bleeder cannot hear his thoughts, so he starts having to talk out loud to her. And suspects that maybe she took on the power of tin. Uh, we remember that in order to prevent Harmony from controlling her, Bleeder can only use one spike at a time. So she basically has to pick one alimantic or ferrochemical power at any given time. So he thinks, ah, maybe she she's doing she's doing tin alimancy today, so she can hear me. So you know, maybe I can get an edge on her combat wise. And she jumps out a window. Well, the waiter jumps out a window. You know, we kind of leave the chapter with the waiter jumping out the window and Wax going after. Leaves Wayne behind to watch after the governor in case that this was just some kind of distraction. But there's really no confirmation that the waiter is actually uh, is actually bleeder using someone's bones. Like she's already made an assassination attempt on the governor just using hemallergy, right? So like. There's no reason to believe that this waiter is actually the person that uh, Condra is personifying right now. And I called her Condra. That's not her name. Her name's Bleeder. I forget her real name, but whatever. 
So the waiter jumped out the window because... Because heme allergy. Okay. I don't know. Why does Zane exist? Heme allergy. Because sometimes bad people happen to be in books. <laughs> Well-written characters that you hate so much because they're written for you to hate them. And I, I have this sudden inexplicable craving for pizza. I don't know where that came from. All right. I feel like we're ready for spoiler time. So, Dave, go away. Bye, Dave. All right. Let me just set up the stream real quick here. All righty. You guys know what to do. Have fun. Okay. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Uh, so yeah, what do we got? Oh, hey, Mike. Yeah. What, what if the governor is the Chandra? Is that... A thing that I, I I've forgotten almost everything that happens in this book. Is that what happened? It's a thing that happens, yes. Okay, but it's not Bleeder. It's a different Chandra, right? Or is it? Again, forgot everything in this book. Why are you in spoiler time then? Dude, I don't know. I think it's supposed to be here, <laughs> like contractually, but like like you're the host or something. Yeah. So how about Milan showing yes, up? Yes. How about Milan showing up? She's so good. She's yes. She is she is my I can't even say she's my favorite Chandra because Tensoon. Tensoon doesn't get a lot of screen time in Era 2 though. He doesn't, but he earned a lot of goodwill back in Era 1. And, you know, he'll be around in Eras 3 and 4 likely. I'm just picturing Milan as like big, busty, wearing all the sequins, so many sequins. So just Jessica Rabbiting? Only heckin' tall. Uh Jessica Rabbiting? Sure. Has it been a while since you've seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit? It has. I was just thinking of it the other day. When we were driving back from our vacation in Texas, and there were billboards as far as the eye can see. I, I remembered that <laughs> the bit at the end where uh, Christopher Lloyd's character is, is saying that's what he's going to do. Just build highways. Yep. So what do we have in these chapters that is spoilery? Because I have forgotten everything. Uh, I don't know. I kind of wish David left his uh, left his notes up. That would have been helpful. It would have been. Or if Craig was here. Or if Craig was here. You want to just call it? Craig always has something to say. I mean, I guess we could. Just like minimal spoiler time. Spoiler time was that we like Milan. We like Milan. We also like Staris. We li well, that wasn't that one wasn't spoilery. It's not spoilery, but we could have more time talking about Staris. Uh, Staris is great, and she's a big fan of being flown through the air with Wax's steel pushing. She's so stinking cute. Gay. Like, she explicitly arranged things so that Wax would have to steel push them both up to a place. You know what she should do? Is just tell what? Wax that she likes that. It's never going to occur to her to do that. Just, just like, open and honest communication would do so much. But, no, we can't have that. Because Brandon has read Jane Austen. And Texas Blade would like us to point out that Dave guessed right. The governor is bleeder. He figures it out. Yes, Dave frequently guesses right. That's not that's not fun, pointing out when he gets it right, because he gets it right all the freaking time. What's fun is pointing out when he gets it wrong. No, no. See, he throws out a whole bunch of things, and some of them are right, but many of them are not right. And those are the fun ones to talk about. Oh, now Texas Blade says that 
when he said he figures it out, he was talking about Wax figures out Steris likes flying. Oh, yes, he yeah. does. But, like, she could have just told him. No, that would be too hard. Like, she could have told him, and then they could just go flying all the time. She could just be like, hey, Wax, we could go for a walk in the evenings, but I'd rather if you picked me up and we still push around the city, because it's awesome. Yeah, Steris' next book should be good. I'm waiting for her to go, like, all John McClane and suddenly be an action hero, like Picard in the Star Trek movies. Like, completely out of character, but it's it's movie Picard now, so action hero. Uh, okay, so I'm going to take it from the long stretch of silence there that you don't have yep. anything. I don't have anything else. That was about it, really. Okay. Yeah. Man, this is going to be confusing for people listening later because that was not you're a gonna long edit stretch out of silence all the, for that. Yeah, yeah you're going to edit out all the silence. Just imagine, like, a full ten seconds of silence. There was a really long silence there, you guys. Anyway, bye. Okay, bye. And we... This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast, or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.